Well, good morning. I'm getting some props ready. It's got some low-tech visual aids to share with you today in the sermon. Usually in our sermon time, what I do is take one passage of Scripture and try to understand it and apply it. But sometimes it's good to back up and get a broad view and see what the whole Bible says about something. So today, I want to share with you an overview of salvation. Call this sermon, The Scope of Our Salvation. You see, I was saved when I was nine years old. Grew up in a Christian home, so I had the benefit of hearing about Jesus early in my life. And so I became a Christian when I was nine years old. After I became a Christian, and whenever I heard a sermon about salvation, I thought, well, that doesn't apply to me. I've already been there, done that. You know, I had a view of salvation that was limited to my conversion experience. And I thought that that's all that salvation meant. But as I grew, I came to understand that salvation's a whole lot broader than that conversion experience. In fact, it's the biggest subject in the whole Bible that stretches from eternity to eternity. And so today, what I want to do is sort of recreate a timeline of our salvation across the stage so that we can see how wide and how broad and how great the salvation of God is. So let's begin, not at the the beginning, but let's begin where I began as a nine-year-old boy and where most of us begin, and that is with conversion. And so the first experience that most of us have of, of salvation is when we come to put our faith in Jesus Christ, and the Bible calls that being saved, and that's one of the reasons as a nine-year-old that I thought that's all there was to salvation, because most of the time when the Bible uses the word saved, it's talking about this moment when you become a Christian. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, uh, the Philippian jailer had asked Paul a question, what must I do to be saved? And Paul answered, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And so salvation is that moment in time when we understand that Jesus, God's son, died for us and rose again. And that if we believe in him, he'll be our savior and we'll become a Christian. So the word saved is used of that conversion experience. uh, Salvation is by repenting. Believing and confessing, but that central word is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. This moment of salvation is also called in the Bible being born again. That is, this is a new beginning, a regeneration, a new birth. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 3, that no one can see the kingdom of God unless that person is born again. He said this to a religious person, Nicodemus. The Bible also uses the word justified to describe this moment in time when we're born again or when we're saved. It says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. That means that we are made right with God, declared right with God through faith in Jesus. So in other words, You can't be right with God by trying to please him or doing good stuff or any kind of religious rituals. It is by receiving his gift and putting your faith in him that you are declared righteous or justified, made right with 
God. So, most of us experience salvation, come to it at the point of conversion. But I learned, and I'm still learning, that salvation is much broader than this, that it has roots and it has fruits. And so today I want to share with you the roots and the fruits of our salvation. And the most immediate root of our salvation is that God was working in our lives before we were ever saved or born again. The Bible uses several words to describe that process. One of the words the Bible uses is the word conviction. It says in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said a per, uh, that uh, my gospel came to you, not uh, gospel came to you with conviction. Let me read it here, make sure I get it right. Came to you not simply with words, but with power and with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And so the Holy Spirit was working in my life before I was saved as a non-year-old boy with power to bring me to salvation. Uh, the Bible also uses the word draw to describe that. Jesus said in John 6, 44, uh, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. And so the Father's drawing me. And the Bible also uses the word call in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, God is faithful who calls you into fellowship uh, with his Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. So how does he do this? Well, through the inner conviction of the Holy Spirit, the call comes through the gospel message like I'm preaching to you. Maybe some of you today are experiencing the, the drawing of the Father. He's brought you to this point. A friend invited you today. Circumstances, the Father loves you so much that he's drawing you into a relationship with himself. And I'm sharing with you the gospel. He's calling you through the gospel. And the Holy Spirit's at work on the inside, convicting you of guilt and that you do need a Savior. That's how much God loves you. That's the roots of a salvation experience of how he, he calls you and draws you to himself. But the roots of our salvation go even deeper than that. <clears throat> of course, when I was a nine-year-old boy, I still understood that there was a historical root to my salvation, and that is that long before I was born, God had loved me and prepared for my salvation, and he had sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and take the penalty for my sins. And I understood a little bit then uh, that uh, that's how I could be saved because long before I was born, Jesus had died on the cross for my sins. But as I've grown, I've come to understand how, how deep the roots of that event went. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, For you know that you were redeemed from the empty way of your ancestors, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed for your sake in these last times. And so, 
he was revealed about 1900 years before I was born, but he was chosen before the foundation of the world. That is, before God ever created the world, he knew that there were going to be people that he created that needed say, a savior, and he planned to send Jesus. And you, and, and you think, well, why would, he, why would he even create us if he knew we were going to fail and he was going to have to send his son? I don't know all the answer to that, but, uh, but I know some of you, let me just tell you, if you're planning on having kids, they're going to cause you pain and heartache. Right? Amen? Uh, yeah. But, but you know what? It's still worth it to have kids. So that's the same way. God knew before the creation of the world we were going to fail, but it was still worth it apparently to create us because he still loved us so much that before the creation of the world, he planned to send his son for someone like me. And I learned that the roots of my salvation <coughs> go back before creation as well. And the Bible calls that predestined. Somebody asked me not long ago, said, Preacher, do you believe in predestination? And I said, well, yeah, I believe in predestination because the Bible teaches it. And I believe everything that I understand the Bible to teach. I don't say I understood it, but I believe it. Because the Bible says, for example, in, in uh, Ephesians 1.5, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with with his pleasure and will. Now, the hard part about understanding predestination is that the Bible seems to teach, as this verse does, the sovereignty of God, that God's in complete control, and yet the Bible also seems to teach my complete responsibility and freedom of choice to receive or reject him, and how can both of those things be, be true? That, that's the hard part of understanding. In, in Acts chapter 13, verse 48, it says that uh, Paul preached to some folks, and it says, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And so how do you put those two together? And so some people will say, well, they believed because they were appointed. And some will say, well, they were appointed because they believed, you know? And, and, and so how do, you, how do you reconcile that? I don't understand all about predestination. Here's what I, I'm certain of. God does not predestine any person to be lost and go to hell. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, that God wants everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. God's will for you, his desire for you, he hasn't chosen... A, beforehand some that can't get into heaven and some that can God's purpose and desire for you is that you put your faith in Jesus Christ and that's why he's convicting you and drawing you to the Savior well what does this mean then the Bible even more often than predestined uses the words elect or chosen well I think part of it's related to God's foreknowledge it says in uh, 1 Peter 1, 2, you've been chosen, there's that word, according to the foreknowledge of God who knew what responses and outcome would be and through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. 
And so God, who's outside of time, I think sees everything at the same moment. He sees your moment of decision. He sees eternity. And, and so God has chosen and through his foreknowledge. What, is this, what does this doctrine mean? What, what, what's the purpose of this? It is to remind us in these roots of salvation that salvation is not just about us. God is the author of it. God is the initiator. It gives us confidence and assurance to know that God is in control. You see the roots of our salvation that stretch far back before I was a nine-year-old boy. God was drawing me, and before I was ever born, he had sent Jesus, and he would planned to send Jesus even before the creation of the world, and even before the creation of the world. He knew what response would be, and he had chosen those in Christ, that verse says, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now, that leads us. My salvation had not only roots, but it's got fruits. It goes not only backward from my conversion, but extends far beyond it. And so our salvation continues, as that verse says, through the, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Let me read to you 2 Thessalonians 2.13. God chose you, there's that word again, as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. And so, the continuing, the fruit of my salvation after I was born again, it didn't end there. That's not all there is to salvation. You're not done with that. But God is continuing that same work of salvation. And we call that being sanctified, sanctification. That the same spirit who caused you to be born again is still at work to conform us to the image of Jesus. A person said to me one time uh, who had accepted Christ in our service and I'd baptized him and he was in a service later and he said, man, I wish I could be saved again. I just wish I could do that all over again. And I think what he, this new Christian meant by saying that was, you know, I experienced God then, and it was so great, and I just wish I could experience God like that again. And my answer to him was, well, you can. You don't need to be born again, but the same spirit. You can continue to encounter God. He's still at work in your life with the same power and the same spirit. He's still working the work of salvation in your life, and he the other word that the Bible uses to describe this is growth. Sanctification is also growing. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, when you're a Christian, when you're born again, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. The work of salvation is still continuing in your life and God's still accomplishing that purpose in your life. Well, there's another final fruit of our salvation. Final stage of salvation is glorification, the Bible says. We're glorified. And this final completion of what God began in us is going to be completed when Jesus Christ comes back again. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 says, When he appears, then you also will be made like him. When Christ, who's your life, appears, then you also will appear with him 
in glory. And in Philippians 3.21, it says that the, the Lord Jesus Christ, referred to the verse before, will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. And so, glorification is the, the saving of my body as well as my soul. We, we sometimes talk about Jesus saved my soul. Well, yeah, he saved your soul when you were born again, but that's not his full and final purpose. He wants to save all of you. And glorification is going to be the complete outworking of salvation when he returns. When you die, if you die before he returns, then your soul's going to be glorified then. But he's going to glorify our bodies and raise our bodies new and glorified. He's going to, in other words, he's going to save our bodies as well as our souls. And that glorification is the final and complete fruit of our salvation. Do you see the, the scope of our salvation? Uh, let me share one passage with you that, that ties it all together. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and following. And it says, for we know that God works together all things for the good of those who are love him who are called according to his purpose for it says those God foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those he predestined he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, will he also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies, who is it who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us, and nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you see the scope of our salvation that a loving God planned for us before the creation of the world revealed in Jesus? And now, where are you on this timeline? Where do you find yourself? This is the timeline of your life, of God's plan for you. Where are you in this timeline? If you're right here, if you've come to the point of salvation and you've been born again you're right with God you're justified God sees you as the righteousness now what you need to do is become what you are he's declared you righteous now become righteous let that salvation work continue in your life you see at conversion we're saved from the penalty of sin you're not going to hell when you're born again in sanctification, 
we're being saved from the power of sin. Sin does not have to reign over you. You can live with some victory and some overcoming as you grow. And one day, we'll be saved from the very presence of sin. And there'll be no temptation and no weakness and no heartache. You go on in your salvation. Now, maybe on this timeline today, you find yourself here. And you've not yet come to that point in your life where you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved. Uh, some people say to me, well, uh, I, I, do I have to know a moment when I was saved? I, maybe, you, maybe it's been a gradual process in your life, and you're not sure whether there's been that moment where you've been saved or born again or justified. Or maybe you've had a complicated religious history and you, you've been christened and there was a time when you were close and then you're away and you've been baptized but you didn't know if you understood. You know, maybe you've had those ups and downs, you're not sure. Well, what I say to folks is you can't unravel the past. That's not our purpose. Why don't you just decide where you are right now? Why don't you just declare, Jesus, I'm not sure about the, the, my, my past, but today I want to confess I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So you can just nail it down today. You don't have to unravel your past spiritual history. You just decide today who you want to be. But there's going to be some time in your life when you cross over. John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said that whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will be not, not be judged. He has crossed over from death to life. And so maybe that's a process in your life. Uh, C.S. Lewis said as he wrestled with Christianity, he said he was going to the zoo. He got on the bus to go to the zoo. He said, I don't know when I was saved. I know when I got on the bus, I wasn't a Christian. When I got off the bus, I believed. He said, somewhere there. Maybe that's true in your life. But whatever the process has been, why don't you nail it down today and say, I, I'm not sure. But today, I declare Jesus is my Savior. I'm putting my faith in Him. He is Lord of my life, and I'm declaring that I'm a Christian. And when you do that on the basis of the Bible, it says you can be sure you're justified, you're born again, and you begin to grow and move toward that glorification. And when you look back, you'll see that God was in it all along, and it was not your doing. And maybe you're here today, and you did not know how to describe it, but in the voice of a preacher, you're hearing the call of God. And in the circumstances of you being here, the Father has been drawing you. And in the internal witness of the Holy Spirit, He is saying to you now, Yes, this is truth. This is your need. Why don't you come to Him? Why don't you come to Him? Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And I might invite you today to do as I did as a nine-year-old boy to overcome fears and overcome reluctance. You may be a senior adult or an adult, maybe a husband and wife. We'll have a husband and wife baptized at one of our services today. You may be a teenager. You may be an older child. But as you see the scope of God's salvation, maybe you'd say, today is the time when I need to cross from death to life to confirm what I believe and say, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to walk forward as we sing, to indicate that and talk to me or another pastor in the same way if you need to join our church or, or make other decisions. I invite you to do that as we sing.